Jericho Road is a podcast and a Sunday school class and a ministry of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Birmingham, Alabama. These days, we're looking at the whole Bible through the lens of living water, and we hope you'll join us. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode three of this season that we're calling Living Water. I'm fond of saying that most Christians want to read the Bible. They just don't know how. As a result, we'll stick with the verses we know or the stories that we know while a thousand pages go unread and unloved. So this season, we're using the backdrop of water, or more importantly, the lack of it, to travel the whole Bible, to learn new stories and meet new people with surprising relevance and application for today. In last week's episode, we learned that God's people were caught between two world superpowers, both with control of vast amounts of water, Mesopotamia in the north and Egypt in the south, both two places where would be the source of two important backstories in Scripture, stories that you need to know that explain the whole of the Old Testament and what Jesus came to do. So last week, we learned the backstory of Exodus from Egypt. Today, we're going to learn about exile. Well, I'd like to begin really with the story of a mound of earth that you can see today, about 22 miles west of Jerusalem and very near the Mediterranean coast. Tel Ekron, and the word Tel is T-E-L, Tel Ekron is an artificial hill. It's made up of many, many layers of earth, uh, and it, it really just covers a city or a fortification that's been there over centuries. And that's the definition of a tell. It's an artificial mound of archaeology. And I visited this place with my pal Idan two summers ago. In fact, we tore up a rental car getting out there to it as it sits in the middle of a field. And there are thousands of tells across Israel, most of them uncovered. They just don't have the money or the time yet. And as my pal Idan points out, any tell is an Old Testament city. And an Old Testament or a Bronze Age city must have three things. It needed to have a road for trade. It needed to have a wall for defense, and it needed water. And this ancient city was a city of the Philistines. It was a place where, and you can see the walls of the city coming up out of the dirt today, but it's a place where the Ark of the Covenant rested after being lost in battle in 1 Samuel chapter 4 by the Philistines. Philistines. I have always considered the Philistines to be the bad boys of the Bible. Delilah was a Philistine. Goliath was a Philistine. The armies versus Samson were Philistines, and I'm not the only one. The word Philistine has come to mean anyone hostile or indifferent to culture or the arts. Oh, she's such a Philistine, we might say. Well, in our Bibles, both Deuteronomy, chapter 2, 23, to be precise, and Jeremiah, chapter 47, verse 4, to be precise, say that the Philistines were a sea people from Caphtor, which is the Isle of Crete. They were displaced by war. They were looking for a home. And they arrived in the Near East about the same time as the Hebrews there on the southwestern coast, and they were competing for space and water. Very recently, a large Philistine cemetery was discovered, and genetic studies revealed a distinct European mixture with the local Semitic genes to support that the Bible is factually correct. They came from the sea. And then in the Israel Museum today of Jerusalem, you can see Philistine sarcophagi, uh, which is a way that they buried their dead, which is interesting because they look surprisingly Egyptian. Now, this can be explained by something that was discussed in the last podcast. That is, in the Middle East, 
of the Bible was caught between two spheres of influence with Mesopotamia, which means between the rivers in the north and Egypt with the Nile in the south. And both of these were empires of water and they were ruled by God kings. Thus, the Philistines in the south, south and the west, looking for stability and a home were heavily influenced and comfortable with co-opting Egyptian culture like their burial rites. The witness of scripture is opposite of this. Remember, the story's the same from page one to page thousand and one. Will you be different in the way that God asks you to be different? And God's people were called to be different in this way. We don't worship a God king. We worship the one true God. And these sarcophagi that you find in the Israel Museum are a great illustration. The Hebrews were very hesitant to discuss the afterlife in contrast with the Egyptians who thought about it all the time. They thought about what what carriage they were going to take and how many slaves they were going to take and what kind of dog they were going to take and all under a pyramid, right? The Hebrews would say in response, the earth is made for responsibility, the heavens for mysteries. So that's the Philistines arriving in the Near East the same time as the Hebrews, gaga over Egyptian culture, competing for space. What happened to them? Well, the answer to that question is exile to Babylon. When it comes to the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, uh, Babylon and the Assyrians were two competing empires for this land between the rivers, Mesopotamia. And the Babylonians were different than the Assyrians that they replaced. Assyrians, as best I could tell, just destroyed things as they did Israel in the north in 732 BC, seven centuries before the birth of Jesus. And then also much of Judah in the south later. They just tore things up and Israel disappeared, never to be found again. The Babylonians had a different pattern of conquest. They chose exile as means of creating a unified world order. And remember, this is a forbidden thing to God's people who now are required to follow a Babylonian god king. In fact, the prophets warned against this all the time, and their complaints were generally in two directions, both injustice and idolatry, which are two sides of the same coin. You know, a little tutorial will help here as we go forward. Prophets were were anointed by God or set aside by God to speak truth to God's people. When God's people asked for a king, God said, I'll let you have a monarchy, but you're going to have to have a prophet to speak my word to you, to speak my truth to you, to remind you to be different in the way that I've asked you to be different. And so they preached two sermons all the time. Justice, of course, which we can we can certainly relate to. That's making sure things are safe and fair and feeding the poor, but then also holiness and, and, and a, a warning against idolatry, which might seem a little more time-conditioned or something from their world, but that makes sense for us too. If we're going to have a right relationship with God, then justice will flow from our lips. If we're going to have a right relationship with God, uh, then fairness will flow from our hands. If we're going to have a right relationship with God, the world will be better uh, in a just kind of way. You, you can't have a relationship with God and not a relationship with your neighbor in that way. So they were worried that if you cozy up to the Egyptians too much or the Babylonians too much, that you lose your ethics. You have begin to have Babylonian ethics, which aren't just. Well, I'll offer an example of one of these sermons from Isaiah. Uh, There's some history behind it. In 726 BC, so this is before the destruction of Israel in the north, King Ahaz of Judah, the remnant kingdom in the south, you've got 10 tribes of Israel in the north, 
two tribes of Judah in the south, Jerusalem as the capital. Ahaz of Judah, a weak king at that, made an alliance against Israel, which must have grieved God terribly, uh, cousins fighting cousins, Israel and Damascus uh, to the north with Assyria. So Ahaz makes uh, makes a, a contract, if you will, or an alliance with Assyria in order to protect himself against stronger neighbors, and God was not pleased for several reasons. One, God was not pleased because you can also read In the book of First Kings, you can learn that Ahaz loved the Assyrians. He even visited their capital city one time and recreated an Assyrian altar in the temple, which was a big no-no. So he wasn't being different in the way that God asked him to be different. And as a king, he wasn't trusting in God. He was a far cry from David, his ancestor. Rather, he was trusting in the hostile water power to the north, Assyria. So Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 8, in a sermon that he preaches to the king, uh, uses water imagery to describe what has happened and what will happen to him in the future. It goes like this, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 6. Hey, like I've said, once you see water, you see it everywhere in the Bible. Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and melt in fear before Rezin and the son of Ramalia, therefore the Lord is bringing up against it a mighty flood of the waters of the river, the king of Assyria and all of his glory. It will rise above its channels and overflow all of its banks. It will sweep on Judah as a flood and pouring over, it will reach up to the neck and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Well, it just simply means that Ahaz reaps a whirlwind. You make a deal with Assyria, he's going to turn on you with water. But also notice at the end of the sermon, the mention of the name of Emmanuel which is the name, God will be with them. God will always be with them, even in the deluge. In time, Isaiah's prophecy would ultimately come true through the Babylonians. In the summer of 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem and the monarchy would find the Babylonians besieging their city. And in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38, we're told that the prophet so enraged the court officials with his warnings of destruction that it was bound to come, that the, the court the, the, the court of the king actually threw Jeremiah into an empty cistern, which is a long underground, just a large underground container for rainwater. Uh, water, water, more water, right? We see water everywhere. They threw him into the cistern and they left him to die. There was a cistern uncovered in the last few years in the ancient city of Jerusalem, and there's no reason to think that this wasn't the one. You can sit in the bottom of it right now and wonder what Jeremiah was thinking as he sunk to his neck in the mud. Well, the destruction of the city happened. The Hebrews were taken away in exile. But unlike the Philistines, they don't disappear from the face of the earth. The Philistines' story ends with the Babylonian exile. They cease to exist. The Hebrews don't disappear. I mean, it's sad, but they stay together. So of the two backstories of the Bible, the contrast is dramatic. Uh, we have lots of details from the Exodus. We talked about it in the last podcast. You've got all the all the wonders and the miracles and the parting of the Red Sea and the giving of the law and the details of what they did in the, in the desert. Very little is said about the second backstory, which is the Babylonian exile, because some stories are just too sad to tell. 
We do have a snapshot, however, in the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are books of songs or poems. They were meant to be sung. They were written, you know, as much as over a thousand-year period of time. It's hard to know what psalm is written when. Some are ascribed to David. It's probably not written by the king himself, but then possibly could. Uh, And then also we have this Psalm 137, which just comes out of this collection of songs, almost like a snapshot or a postcard from Babylon. It goes like this, Psalm 137, 1 through 6. This is what it must have felt like to live in a foreign land. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps. For there our captors ask us for songs and our tormentors ask us for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Now, here's where the two backstories are alike. Once again, like the slavery beside the Nile, they have water, but no freedom. But we also know that when we lose, we get busy. In the pandemic summer of 2020, our church really got busy and began to reinvent itself in some ways. I, I call these our silver linings, even though there's been much, much grief and much loss, and, and we continue to struggle uh, with, this, with this virus that seems to never, never leave us in some form or fashion. But, but we have become a restaurant in the pandemic summer of 2020. We became a, a takeout restaurant. We became a radio station. We now have a television station. And this Sunday school class became a podcast. I mean, all these silver linings came at a time of great loss. And in the case of the Exodus, their silver linings, they became a nation. In the case of the exile, they got busy. They got busy and they wrote the Bible, collecting texts and stories that had been told by bedsides for generations. Um, they began to understand God in, in the exile in terms of monotheism as opposed to monolatry. Monolatry would say that my God could beat up your God, but what happens when your God is destroyed or your God's temple is destroyed? Would God meet them way out there in a foreign land? And God did. God called a prophet, Ezekiel. God continued to talk to them. They began to understand that God is over all. God is even with them way out there. They changed in exile for the better. And as we read in episode one, Ezekiel would have a dream. He, he dreamed that the temple would be, would be built again, that they would worship again. They would have their own land again. And he dreamed of water. This is Isaiah 47, beginning with the first verse. I'll read six verses. And God brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple to the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me on around the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. Water was coming out from the south side. And going on eastward with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. And then he measured 1,000, and he led me through the water, and it was knee deep. And then he measured 1,000 and led me through the water. It was up to the waist. Again, he measured 1,000. It was a river that could not be crossed, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed. They said to be mortal. Have you seen this? God would give them their own river and their own home and their own temple and their own freedom. Two backstories in order to understand Holy Scripture. One is Exodus. God will bring us home. God will deliver us even when we can't help ourselves. The other one is exile. 
And the story of the exile means that no matter what happens in times of loss, God is with us, Emmanuel, and we can always, always get busy. So this leads us to a couple questions. Um, how did your life change these past few years? It's a good one. How did your life change? And also, um, how has God changed for you in the course of your lifetime? We all have our periods of exile. How do you think about God now? Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time for the next episode. We are now accepting nominations for the upcoming Vestry class of 2023, and we're asking for your ideas of who might enjoy this important ministry. Vestry members serve three-year terms and provide oversight and support to all the various programs and ministries of St. Luke's. Vestry members must be active adult members, and we welcome all interests and skill sets. Nominations can be sent via email to seniorwarden at st-lukes.com, and nomination forms will be available at the church. We will close nominations on September 23rd. We look forward to hearing from you soon.